0: As if you know the gift of God. If you knew the gift of God, that's what I want to talk about today. And I pray that as we continue to learn and build upon this idea of worship, you know, the last couple of weeks, we talked about worshiping in spirit and in truth. Well, last two weeks, it's been kind of on truth. And we've, we've been looking at that. It's been our flagship uh, scripture to start in is John 4. So if you want to turn your Bibles there to John chapter 4, we're going to start there and we're going to move off from that. But today, today is all about the Word of God and the power that's in the Word of God to, for our hearts and our minds. I want you to know that the Word of God is alive and powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it pierces even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart, and that all Scripture is given by God, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, and for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might be mature, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Therefore, we study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed and rightly inviting the word of truth. And if we allow that word of truth this morning to sink into our hearts, I promise you that it will be alive and powerful. Paul said to those in Romans in chapter 1, he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation. The power that spoke the creation of the world into existence. Can create within me and you a new heart, oh God. So, Jesus chapter in John chapter 4, Jesus must go through Samaria, and there he met that woman at the well. And as they struck up a conversation, we've talked about the spirit and in the truth, and the oils and the things that was that has been. You know, in Hebrews chapter 11, now we're going to talk a little bit about faith in our spirit. And it says in Hebrews chapter 11 that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence. The true evidence within your heart of things that are unseen. And that through faith, Abel brought a better sacrifice, an acceptable sacrifice unto God and Cain, his brother, did not. And it was because it was based upon faith. And that's what it says there in Hebrews chapter 11. By faith... What is faith? Faith is the understanding and the believing of the Word of God and the things that He tells you, even though you don't understand it and you can't see it, but you know that it's real and that it's true. And so He says, By faith. So the Word of God told him what to offer. And by faith, Abel offered up what was asked a blood sacrifice of the animal. But Cain did not do that. He brought of what he wanted to do by the fruits of his hands and his works of the garden. And. God says that's not acceptable and then he went to him because his countenance was wroth and his face was fallen and he says why is your countenance fallen and why are you so mad? Don't you know that if you do good you will be accepted and your offering will be accepted but if you do not do good and if you don't listen to me sin lieth at the door and its desire is for you We need to understand that, folks, that its desire is for us. But he says, you must rule over it. You have got to kick that out and not allow that to happen. Because we know that by faith, God seeks those who are diligently trying. Not that we always make it, but that we are trying to do his will and to please God. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so then, that's going to bring us back. Now, we've studied these things about truth and making that that, that is acceptable worship. But if you bear with me now, John chapter 4, let's start in verse 20 as, again as we lay a new layer of truth upon this in the side of the spiritual realm instead of the truth realm now. There Jesus is with that woman at the well, and she says unto him, Our fathers, in verse 20, they worship in this mountain... And you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me. The hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship what you don't know. We know what we worship for salvation of, of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is... When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. For God is a spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And the woman, she said, I know. I know the Messiah is coming. He's called the Christ. And when He comes, He will tell us all things. And Jesus said unto her, I who speak to you am he. Did you catch that? She said, I know that the Messiah is coming. And he said, I that is speaking to you and he. So then he, he first revealed himself as the Messiah of God to this woman who was broken who was struggling, who was at the well alone, and he's going to give her the living water. So as we begin to unveil the spiritual side, of God, let's take a moment in prayer. I want you to pray for your heart and mind to be ready to accept the word of God. And then I'll close this out. Presence here today in worship, we are we are here to worship and to honor you. And so, Father, we pray your blessing upon the reading of your word this day, and that your Holy Spirit will abound mightily in the hearts and the minds, so that we can understand, and so that it will build a foundation within us and the edification complex in our souls that it is like a bomb shelter. We pray for those who were bombed this week. We heard about Lebanon, but I also researched that there was about five other bombings that happened in other places this week, and they are all linked. And so, Father, we are living in a perilous time, but our hope, our trust is in Thee and Thee alone. And, Father, we pray That we can make a difference by starting revival in our hearts that will spread to our community, that will spread through our state and our nation and this world that brings it back to you. And it begins right here, Father, with the idea that I know the Messiah is coming. He says, no, I'm already here. You need to learn about me. So we pray that your word will be mighty this day as we turn it over to your Holy Spirit. Who presented these things to us in Jesus' name? Amen. All right. True worshipers, let's get ready to go in this. Today I want us to see the Lord Jesus Christ as he is revealed in the scriptures by the Holy Spirit and to us. Jesus was asked, let's go up to John chapter 4, if you're still there with me up to verse 10. He's As he began, before what happened that we just read, it began with this in verse 10. Jesus said unto the woman, if you knew the gift of God. That's what we want to capture. I want you to capture that thought today. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is speaking to you, you would have asked of him, and he will give you some living water. You all want some living water this morning? You want some living water that's going to flow from out within you? You know what? I was. There was a video that I watched by Ray Vanderland, and he was over in that land, and it's a desert land. We're going to talk a little bit. We're going to hit on that in a minute. But it's a desert land. But they called it living water, where there was a stream that would run out from the mountain, a little stream, because everywhere else is, is rock, sand, and books dead. But that one little strip, a few feet on either side where the water flows, is green and lush. And they would call that the living water. You know what? We live in a world that is suffering. We live in a world that is full of death and pain and everything else. But he says, I'm going to give you something. Living water that's going to flow. Once you get it in, it will flow out from among you. And so when people look at the world and they see that everywhere, but when they focus on you, they see green, they see living water because you have the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus Christ and his word within you. So let's, let's learn about this living water that the Lord says that he wants to give unto to us and for us to drink. First of all, I want you to know that our Messiah was announced by angels. And on that first time, whenever it became the right time and whenever he came down, that angel started coming down. And he was first presented unto Zechariah, the priest. Everything in your life is planned by God. There is no coincidences. There is none of these things. There is a plan that he has for you. And Zechariah, most priests never got drawn. They are in a line and they draw each time it's their turn to serve for what? purpose they're going to serve in the temple and most people never get to go inside into the holy place and to serve there zachariah all of his life hadn't been there yet at this this time he's been praying forever for him and his wife to have a child and it hasn't happened and she's been known as barren but this time his dice was rolled that he was going to go into the holy of holies Not the Holy of Holies, but the holy place. And right next to the Holy of Holies to offer up that incense that we talked about for the last two weeks. And he goes in there and as he does, that angel first came unto him. And Gabriel's not here today because I want to be able to tell him this. But that angel came unto him and he said, your prayers have been heard before God. And he's going to present with you a child and you're going to call his name John and John is going to be something special he's going to be great among the people he's going to be mighty and great because he's going to be the forerunner of the Lord my son he is going to be the one to proclaim make straight the paths unto him may the mountains be level and the valleys filled and the road that was crooked called now straight because straight is the way and narrow is the path that leadeth unto me and he is the only one and you are going to be The the father of the one who was chosen to be the forerunner to my son. And next, the angel came to a little town in Galilee called Nazareth. And that angel came unto this young lady. Her name was Mary. And the angel Gabriel came unto Mary. And he said... Blessed are you. You have found favor in the sight of God. And you're going to become a child. And she said, how is that to happen since I know not a man? And he said, the power of the Holy Spirit is going to come. And the God the Father will overshadow you. And you will conceive. And within your womb you will bear the Messiah the one who is to come. You are chosen and highly favored. And your cousin, Elizabeth, who lives over in the other town, the one who is known as Baron, she is going to have a baby also that will be the forerunner to yours. She's already six months pregnant. And he is going to be a forerunner for the son that you're gonna have. And you're gonna have a son who is great. And he is the most high. He will be called the son of the highest. And all people will be blessed through him. So fear not, Mary. And so Mary takes all of these things in mind. She says, I need to go see my cousin Elizabeth. So she wanders over there to her cousin Elizabeth. And it says that whenever she got there. That she went in and the baby that was inside the womb of Elizabeth started doing somersaults and leaping for joy within her womb. And the Holy Spirit came upon Elizabeth and she said, Blessed is the fruit of your womb for he is going to be the Savior of the world. And my son, the forerunner, is leaping within there right now. He is filled. Then... The angel Gabriel comes at night because there's this man over there that Mary had been espoused to, promised in marriage to. And she, the angel comes unto Joseph because Joseph can't understand how that the one that I am espoused to is with child. How could that be since it wasn't me that was with her And he was thinking upon these things, and it says that he was a holy man and a just man, and he was of the house of David, the one through whom the lineage would come, and so was Mary. And it says that he pondered on those things what he ought to do, and it says that he, being a kind-hearted, loving man and loving her, did not want to make a public spectacle out of her, and so he was thinking to put her away privately. And as he thought upon these things and he was asleep, it says the angel came to him in a vision and Gabriel come again and, and announced to him and said, Joseph, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, because that which is conceived within her is of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And he is going to be great and he's going to be the redeemer of this world and you're going to give him a name that is above all names. You're going to give him the name Jesus. And the name Jesus means Savior. And it says, you give him that name for he is going to be the Savior of this world. And he awoke up from that dream and he grabs his wife and he takes under her just as the angel had told him. And he takes her and goes on off a little bit later to Egypt because they're searching for him. And they was told totally him to do that. And he takes him to her wife. And when he's born, he names that child Jesus, which being interpreted also as Emmanuel, God with us. God has come. He left his heavenly realm and came and has been born as a baby. And he is with us. And the angels made another announcement. This one's not on the slide. But the angels came and made another announcement whenever the baby was born. And he came to the shepherds. That was in the field. And he went to the shepherds. And he says you got to go into this house. Because there a savior is born. Unto you this day. In the city of David. There is born unto you a savior. And they go in and they see the savior. And they, they leave proclaiming the glories of God. And the next time we find Jesus. He's 12 years old. His family is worshiping God. They go to Jerusalem to worship for the, for the feast, and, and they're all excited, and as they leave to go home from that worship service, they don't realize that Jesus wasn't with them. And then they get to their camping place that evening and they're looking around with the relatives and everyone who had traveled with them and says, Where's Jesus? They say, He's not here. So they go back to find where he's at and they search for three days. I don't know about you, but that would be traumatic if my child was gone and I'm searching for him for three days. And they, somebody, somehow, some way, they're directed to the temple. And they go there and they find that young man in the temple with those who teach the law. And he's listening to them. And they are asking questions. And he is asking questions. And it says that they are astounded by what they hear from this young man. And and Joseph and Mary come and they say to him "Says Son, why have you done this to your father and I? Don't you know that we've been searching for you? And calmly he just said, What? Didn't you know I'd be here about my father's business? Oh man. So... Mary took all of this into her heart, it says. And they, from that point on, Jesus grew in stature and in might and in favor with God and men. And it goes to the next time that we see him from age 12 is at age 30. When his ministry begins, you know where's the first place he goes? He goes to that River Jordan. I've got a cousin that's over there that's preparing my way.
1: I got a cousin who's preparing
0: the way and the hearts of men and turning them to repentance and unto God. And he goes there and there's John, the baptizer at the River Jordan. And he's baptizing people and they're turning their hearts unto God. And Jesus comes and John says, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He's the one that I told you about that was going to come. That of whose sandals I am not even worthy to latch. And Jesus said, hey, I want you to baptize me, Prince." And he says, oh, no, I can't do that. I have need of you to baptize me, not for me to baptize you. And he said, no, because we we got a plan and we got a purpose. And God says that we must fulfill all righteousness and set an example. And so John submitted and he baptized Jesus. And when Jesus arose out of the water, the heavens parted. And the spirit came down like a dove. And lit upon his shoulders. And the voice from heaven said. This is my beloved son. In whom I am well pleased. And the earth knew. The heavens knew. The demons knew. The people knew. That this is the Messiah. The son of God who has come. To take away the sin of the world. And it says immediately. He was Baptized, he set forth our example, and it was to say, "Father, into Your hands I am now submitting my will, not mine, but Thine, be done." And immediately, the God's will was, for the Holy Spirit it says immediately after that, that when it lit upon him and came, that it drove him into the wilderness, and he went into the stark wilderness of the out country where there's nothing but sand. And rocks and scorpions and snakes and it says for 40 days and for 40 nights that our Lord was there in that desert and he was tempted and tested by Satan himself and it says in Hebrews that in every way Jesus was tempted and tested so that he might be a faithful high priest so that he could know about our infirmities and our sufferings and our temptations so that he could relate to us. It says so that he would be a supatheo high priest. That word comes down into our vocabulary as sympathy. It says he withstood Tempting and testing by the devil himself so that through his suffering he would understand what it was like to be flesh and blood and to be tempted in all ways such as we are, yet he without sin. But now he has sympathy. He can relate to you and I as a faithful high priest and that he can offer up his blood For that forgiveness, and say, My child, you are forgiven. You are forgiven because I understand, and I don't know about you, but I can't imagine how many ways have you been tempted in your life? How many categories and ways? How many times have you been tempted in your life in all of these different ways? I've got mine, you've got yours. But the scripture says that he was tempted in all ways. Mine, yours, everyone. I cannot imagine the intensity of 40 days of being tempted and tested by Satan in all these ways. And yet withstanding them. You know how I did it? Word of God. Keep telling you there's nothing more important, there's nothing more powerful, there's not a bigger bomb shoulder than you can have than the word of God that you can turn to and put yourself into. But I cannot imagine for 40 days and 40 nights to be tempted and ground upon in every way by Satan because he's viewing this as my last chance to defeat him so that I don't go to hell and I'm gonna throw everything I've got at him, I'm gonna bring him. And our Lord took that from you and I. Next. I don't even know where I'm at. But I know this. The Spirit's moving this thing because now I, all I got to do is keep looking up there and I know where I'm at. Because next, when we get filled with all of this knowledge. How can we, not like Thomas. Whenever we've spent three years with him. You know what Thomas said first? First thing Thomas said after that resurrection. And they said hey. We've seen Jesus the Messiah. He's resurrected. You know the first thing he said? Didn't believe did he? He had a little bit of this pride. A little bit of Missouri show me. He said "I, you got to show me. Unless I can see. The wound in his side. And put my hand there. Unless I can see the nail prints there, I ain't going to believe. But you know what? When you see the gift of God, you know what the gift of God is? Those nail prints right there on that hand. When he walked in there and just appeared and Thomas was there that next week after saying that and Jesus said, look at the gift of God. You know what he did? He immediately hit his knees and worship what we've been talking about the last three weeks. And he hit his knees and worship. And he's not saying, I don't believe anymore. He says, My Lord and my God. And Jesus tells Thomas, seeing was believing for you, but blessed. You know how much more blessed all of us are? Because blessed are those who have not seen me physically and yet believe. Because that's the substance of faith. The substance and evidence of things that you hope for but you can't see. And he said, blessed be those who can do that. Because it took you seeing to believe that. That he saw the gift of God whenever he saw those nail prints. How can we then not believe and accept that gift? What about the next one? What about in the garden? What about Mary Magdalene? You talk about broken. You talk about somebody who knows where she came from. This woman had seven demons cast out of her. I can't imagine what was going on with her. One of these days, i got a story to tell you out of Mark chapter 5 and the man at the Gadarenes who was in the tombs. And was doing all of these things. I want to tell you about this release and this redemption of everything that you can have. But this woman, she knew it because she had seven demons within her. And the Lord was able to cast them out. And she loved him with all of her heart and soul. And said, I will always follow you. And they took my Lord and my master. And they betrayed him and wrongfully accused him. And stuck him on a cross and then in a tomb. And I didn't get a chance to do anything on that morning. She goes out there before dawn because she can't sleep. And she rushes to that tomb and it's empty. And she's there in tears. And she's wondering where they've taken my Lord. And there's someone behind her and she thinks he's the gardener. And she turns and says, sir, where have you taken my Lord? And he says, well, why are you weeping and who is it you seek?" I don't know who it is you seek, but I hope it's the one that's getting ready to be revealed to her this day. He says, who are you seeking? She said, I am seeking Jesus, and he was in there, and he's gone, and if it was you that has taken him, would you not tell me where you put him so that I can go and take care of him? You know what the next word is? Mary. And Jesus is calling your name today, too, if you don't know him. He said, Mary. And when when he said, Mary, her eyes opened. And she saw him. And she screamed, Rabboni! And Master, and that means my teacher and my Lord. And she clung upon him so tight and hard. She saw the gift of God. And he said, don't cling now because I still got to go to the Father But go and tell the rest of them that I'm going to meet them. And so the next time we see Jesus, I need the slide. Yeah. The next time we see Jesus, he's on the road to Emmaus. There's two people there, Cleopas and his friend, and they're walking on that road. And they're talking about what's happening. And Jesus comes up to him and says, hey, what y'all talking about? And they said, who are you, a stranger? You don't know what's going on. Everybody knows about Jesus who was crucified and died and what happened to him. And it says that Jesus began to talk with them and open up the scriptures, the word of God. And he opened up the word of God unto them and told them, Didn't it say that the Savior, the Messiah, the Yeshua, Hamashiach that is to come must suffer and die for all of these things for his people? And they said yes, and they asked him to come in. They hadn't recognized who he was, and they asked him to come in for supper. And instead of Cleopas breaking the bread, it says our Lord said the prayer and broke the bread. And whenever he handed it to him you know what they saw the nail prints they saw the gift of God and I I heard one man say and it shook me to my bones when he said it but he said that I believe the only thing that is man-made that will be in that heavenly realm when we get there is the nail prints and the wound in the side upon my Savior. Because that is the gift of God. And it will be there for all eternity. To show what he did for us. And why we are there. And why we are worshiping him. And when that nail print was shown unto them. When they handed it the bread. It says their eyes were open. When you see the gift of God. Your eyes get open. And it says their eyes were open. And Jesus was gone. And they said this, when you understand the gift of God, they said, did not our hearts burn within us as he opened up those scriptures and shared them with us? Did it not burn within us? How can we, if we understand the gift of God, also not fall upon our knees like these folks and worship him and cling to him? and burn within us for that Messiah. Next. Because I'm lost. As we get ready to close, and as our worship team comes on up, how can we not, if we, like that woman at the well who asks, why are you talking to me? It's because I've been seeking you. I've been looking for you. I came here especially for you to this well. And if you knew who it was, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that is asking you for a drink, you would ask of him and say, will you not give me your living water? Now as we as we get ready to close, if you knew If you will only know me, the Savior sent from God, who came to redeem us. I want to share with you one last scripture that ties this all in together. And this is powerful. I pray that we really see, as this verse starts out, the gift of God and who he is. Verse 9 of Hebrews chapter 2 says, but we see Jesus. What do we see in Jesus. We see the one who was made a little lower than the angels. He was made that way for the suffering of death. Jesus left the home in glory. He was worshipped by angels. He is God. He left that for his creation so that he might be the gift of God. The man of God. The redeemer that takes away the sin of the world. And he left it for one purpose. To be crowned afterwards with glory and honor. So that he. Now catch this. Here was his purpose. That he. By the grace of God. Praise God for grace. That he by the grace of God. Might taste death for every man. He tasted death for every man. Gayumai Thanatos. And those who was here on Monday, I started out saying we had a special word on Monday when I got carried away. And that word was Thanatos death. It says here that he by death, and this isn't a regular death, it says if you look up Thanatos, Thanatos is a death that is a spiritual type of death. That is a separation that is presumed that you are separated from God. And in the realm of hell and darkness where they are at. What that means is he tasted, experienced death for every one of us. My sins were tasted by him. Scriptures teach that he had to first go to the underworld before he went up. He went to the underworld and preached to those who were in prison, that says in, in Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3. He tasted death. Why do you think he was crying out on the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because he tasted the pain, the suffering, the heat, of being separated from tasting my sins upon him and bearing them and spending three days in that world for me. He tasted death for every man so that we can be made the righteousness of God through him and that we can trust in him that he's going to carry out that redemption that he has started. Within us, and then it says, This look up there in verse 14. Look up there in verse 14. Inasmuch then, as you and I, his children, are flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in that same thing, and he suffered all these things that through death, through death. He might destroy him who had the power over death, which is the devil, and release those of us who had a fear of death and what that devil was going to do to us. Do you hear that? Hallelujah, praise God. He came as man, died for us, tasted my death so that he could defeat the devil who was tempting him redeem us and destroy him who had the power over you. Oh, yeah. Praise God. That's why he did that. So today, the praise to him because today, if you don't know that, Jesus, he said, if you only knew, and we presented through the Holy Spirit's own word, nothing of us but his word, who he is. I pray that you will know him today and come and make that confession and be baptized into Christ as Jesus was to start your new walk of life. And for the rest of us that have the knowledge of the gift of God, I pray that it's deeper now. And I pray that it starts to revival in our hearts and in our lives and our mission for Jesus Christ and for God and his way in this community, in this body of Christ, in this nation, in this world. And I pray that in Jesus' name that we all experience that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he came and experienced me. I'm sorry you had to taste my death and my sins, but we're so thankful. And Father, we pray that a new understanding and depth, of the gift of god is upon us and i pray that we leave here changed changed for the better and for you and may you help us in this world of trouble and temptation to rely upon you and your word every day and may the blessing of the holy spirit be upon his words that were said today in jesus name Hmm.